Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It is Thursday, July 18th. Training camps are underway. My goodness, football is basically here. Uh, I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of the CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. You know what else is here right now? Is uh, is the British Open or the Open Championship, if you prefer? And if you you know if you're not if you're not diving headfirst into football quite yet, and you're trying to soak in some of that beautiful beautiful uh, golf action, which I am, I've been up every morning. We're up this morning at like five thirty. I usually set my alarm during British Open week, during the Open Championship week, at five thirty a.m. to get up and watch golf by myself for like an hour and a half. Uh, Without my family being up, and it is, man, it's pretty glorious. It's like my favorite major of the year. And, uh, you know, if you're doing that, you should make sure to subscribe to the First Cut Podcast. That's got Kyle Porter, Mark Immelman, and Chip Patterson. They have you covered all week long. They did a preview podcast before the Open started. They will have post-round analysis following the second round on Friday after the cuts have been made. Um, and then also a, fi- a final round recap on Sunday. Once you figure out, you know, what the big storyline is, Roy McElroy, maybe he wins it for his home crowd. Maybe Kepka, uh, wins his, I guess it'd be the second major of the year with a second or, you know, two, two wins and two second place finishes. Maybe DJ comes out of nowhere. Who knows? Uh, a lot of action to unfold, but make sure and subscribe to the first cut podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else you might get your podcasts for all the coverage of Royal Port Rush this weekend. Um, coming up with me today. I don't know if this combination has ever happened before. So that's kind of exciting. I mean, RJ White in Fort Lauderdale, Sean Wagner McGuff in, uh, in, uh, Oakland. Do you live in Oakland, right? I live in Oakland. Yeah. Um, Sean, I, I, I don't know if this specific three person combination has ever happened on this podcast. I mean, obviously you and RJ get along and like we all like each other. So it, it should make for good podcasting. I just don't know if the, I just don't know if the combination has ever occurred. Am I wrong? I think, I think it did last summer. I hmm. feel like it was a situation just like this. You were scrambling at the last minute <laughs> to get people and I happened to be the writer online and RJ is working as the editor hmm. online. Cause I feel like we've talked about like AFC North over unders or something. That sounds like a summer topic. No. I just assume that, like, last time we were on together, Sean explicitly told Brinson, do not have me on with that guy anymore. I will not talk to him. <laughs> no, I mean, the nice thing, the really nice thing about, uh, Sean's general presence. So, like, I knew that, uh, we were trying to have Brian McFadden on to do some top five, like, who could jump into the top five defenses out of, out of the teams. And it didn't work out for BMAC to do it this week. So, he'll probably be back next week. Uh, but I looked at the schedule and was like, oh, nice. Sean is on in the afternoons. He will probably be cool with hopping on and doing a podcast. And then RJ, we mentioned it. You said you would be interested in popping in the podcast studio. We love talking to you. So it works yeah, out for everybody. I basically wanted to hop on because I wanted to ask Sean to rank these three things. What in Oakland? Oh, what do God. you wake up early to watch? What What would your your uh, one, two, three be? British Open, uh, Arsenal versus let's say West Ham, or um, or the London game. Let's say Jaguars versus the Bills. What, what, how do you rank those three and waking up early to watch those games? Three is easy. Three is very easily the golf. Um, not much of a golf guy. I'll, I'll watch the final day of some majors. Not really helping uh, my promo read from 30 seconds ago, but thank you, Sean. <laughs> but if you do watch golf, you should watch it wherever Brinson said you should watch it. Um, <laughs> the London game is 
probably my least favorite Sundays of the year because for me on the West Coast, that mm. I think the games are at like six thirty or oh, yeah. seven. Oh, it's nine nine thirty a.m. Right, right. Yeah, 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 sure. It's so it's brutal, and I'll get up. I usually won't start working and like writing during those games, but I will usually get up and crawl over to the couch. The Arsenal games I actually look forward to waking up at six. I don't think my neighbors look forward to it because I end up yelling and screaming during goals and whatnot, and I get a lot of angry stomps coming from above. Um, yeah, it's a very passive aggressive way. I mean, rightfully, I don't think they're in the wrong here. I think I'm clearly in the wrong. Uh, what, what if we put the Bears as the London game? What, what would you prefer there? Arsenal or the Bears in London? So 6.30 either way, I guess, right? I mean, if it depends on the, uh, if the Bears season is going well, I'll, I'll take the Bears. Um, but if the Bears season is not going well, I'll take Arsenal. Interesting. I feel like it. I feel like you hate watch Arsenal a lot. It just seems like they they always seem to be better than on paper than they are in the game. So I, I think know, I would I would just go with the Bears just to save myself a little bit of a headache. I think I tend to hate watch uh, most of my sports teams, which are the Bears, Arsenal, and uh, the Mariners. So I think most of the time it's watching sports. Not much fun for me, but I do it anyways. Yeah. Sorry to derail your podcast, Prince, and all you. No, that's I look. I'm just happy that somebody. I'll get blamed for derailing it. It's fine. That's it. That was a great question. I was um. I was just thinking, like, I honestly was, while you were talking, I was picturing in my head, cause like the, um, I'm not kidding, I set my alarm for 5.30, my wife gets so pissed off. She's like, why are you setting your alarm for 5.30 on a Thursday? And then I, I go downstairs, I, I sneak out of bed, I, I walk downstairs really quietly, try not to wake up my dog, try not to wake up my son, and I sit down on the couch, and for like an hour and a half, I just watch golf in the dark, drinking coffee, I'll occasionally look at my phone, but nobody's really tweeting at that time of the day. It is so GD glorious, and um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And it, it was happening. It's happening. Maybe it's happening right now if you're listening on the early commute. Uh, anyway, let's get into um, some Pete. Being, by the way, I just want people to know, being on a text thread with Pete Prisco is one of the five worst things in the history of the world. You've never is he seen complaining it. about being in line for a bagel? Uh, sort of. He's texted like we're Jamie and EK and I played a little prank on him and he's kind of worked up about it. <laughs> he's <laughs> he still doesn't believe that it's not happening. Anyway, it's long long story short, we don't have to dive into it. I'll fill everybody in on that later. Let's get into some. We're gonna do some training camp storylines first, and then we are gonna look at some under the radar early season games. And you guys are gonna tell me if you buy or sell the idea that it's a great game, or maybe like we might even play. What appendage would you cut off to have that game under TV right now? Uh, you know, like a Steelers Seahawks game, you might cut off something serious for. You're really leaning into this cutting off body parts thing. Mike Vrabel has really inspired you. I just feel yeah. like that Mike Vrabel's quote is flying under the radar here. I mean, he said he cut off his penis for a Super Bowl. How about don't cut off anything? How about we can, why do we have to cut off things to watch football games? Like it, it all comes to us, all 16 games every weekend. Like just wait a few months and watch it then. Yeah. I also, I would like to go <laughs> on my fair. vacation and not have to work before the vacation. So, uh, I'm also, not going to cut off anything for any game. I also think that this has been, and thanks to my women, my women's world cup team, um, this has been a oh. much easier, uh, summer and, and Wimbledon with the Federer Djokovic going twelve yeah. twelve. Also, usually at this time, there's two majors remaining. So the British Open is coming, and then the PGA Championship. But they moved the PGA Championship to May. Uh, to May, or what, it was the second. Anyways, the second one. So it's felt like 
the time away, like usually the PGA championship is happening during preseason football and it's a little annoying because it's hard to follow because there's so much work stuff going on. Now it has felt like this hasn't been a bad summer for sports. I don't know why. Maybe it's the World Cup. Maybe it's my obsession with women's soccer, uh, my new favorite sport. Anyway, um, training camp storylines. I love women's soccer, Sean. I don't know why you would give me the finger. Uh, let's get to the first storyline, and that is, in my opinion, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. And I had a discussion on the internets with a couple of people, and I'm trying to find the specifics of it right now, but basically the gist of it is that um, – I don't know exactly how good the Arizona Cardinals are going to be for fantasy purposes. Kyler Murray, I think, is 11th in our consensus fantasy expert ranks for quarterbacks, RJ. That feels a little high to me. I feel like every draft I've been in, he's gone really high. Are you buying or selling the notion that Kyler Murray uh, is going to be a very valuable fantasy quarterback this year? Well, if you have him just outside the top 10 and 11, what's the upside from that point? He's not going to be a top five guy. I don't think anybody Probably thinks not. that. Maybe. It seems like it seems like you're already getting towards his ceiling at 11. So I, I don't know that there's much upside drafting him if you're taking 11. Now, the 11th best fantasy quarterback isn't getting drafted to what, round nine, round 10. So it's not like you have to trade and trade in a, a high pick to get him. So I don't mind. I don't mind it really. I don't know that they have a a ton of um, upside realistically. Um, you know, the ceiling is going to be high just because new offense and everything, but it's a lot of youth on that offense. It's going to take a little bit to come together. The offensive line still is questionable. Um, so I don't know that I'm investing heavily in Kyler, but I mean, if, if your options are him and, you know, some pedestrian quarterback that you know what you're getting, that, that you can scoop up that kind of production off the wire anyway in one quarterback leagues, why not? You know, why not go for the high, high upside guy? Mm, Sean, what say you about, uh, Arizona's offense, Kyler Murray. I mean, like, I think the offensive line is better. I think he's got some decent weapons. If Christian Kirk is healthy, Larry Fitzgerald is rejuvenated a little bit at the idea of a decent coaching staff. Ricky Seals Jones is out there. I don't know. But my one, my one problem, and I was sort of, um, this is how the conversation started. It was, it was Brad Evans of Yahoo and, and Mike Clay of ESPN. And, um, Brad Evans, uh, pointed out, he said, Disdain towards David Johnson's puzzling. Let's review one unrivaled starter on a team that wants to run 90 to 95 plays per game. And Mike Clay's response was, I can't imagine a scenario where they come close to 80, let alone 90. Um, and I, long story short, I, I ended up pointing out they ran 75 and between 75 and 85 at Texas Tech the last two years at Cliff Kingsbury were there, plays per game. Um, the Eagles at Chip Kelly's peak at his most plays per game run because we're talking about a similar sort of aggressive approach there, we're at 70. And that's because they were running the ball a ton late in games and churning out yards and winning big winning games by a lot of points. I don't think this Arizona Cardinals team is built to win a lot of games. I don't think they're going to run 70-plus plays a game because you just can't do that in the NFL. The refs won't let you, and the clock won't let you. It seems to me that the idea that I think they will run a lot of plays, but I just don't think they're going to shatter the number of plays run here. and that That does limit the ceiling a little bit too. Yeah, I mean – I think the only guy on that offense I'm totally buying is, is David Johnson. And I, and I actually do think that by the end of this year, we will talk about David Johnson the way we talked about him um, in 2016, which was, is this guy the best running back in football? Um, and I really think that because I don't think anything that we've seen since that 2016 season, um, I don't think anything that we've seen has indicated he's not that guy. He got hurt in week one in 2017. And then all of last year, he was running up the gut 
Um, and he still managed to have a decent fantasy season. He didn't have the fantasy season we all wanted him because we've seen what he can do at his peak. Even when he was misused, I want to say he was a like a 10th-ranked running back, uh, which was still impressive given how bad that offense was at every level, including play calling. So I think for David Johnson, for me, is the guy that I think can have that 2016 type of season again. He's talked about the last couple of years about becoming the third player to do a thousand yards as a receiver and a runner. I think it's, I think it's realistic. Um, and I guess for, for Kyler Murray, my whole thing, I agree with RJ here is if your choice is Kyler Murray or Matthew Stafford, a guy that is, you know, ownable at times, um, will have the big numbers, doesn't seem to have the terrible games. Um, I would rather much have Kyler Murray because I actually think there is a chance he can sneak into the top 10. Um, if things break his way, I don't think the Cardinals are going to be good. Um, but I think he can have a monster year in large part because how many touchdowns do you think he's going to score with his legs? And if you're playing in a league where he's throwing, uh, if touchdown passes are worth four points and rushing touchdowns are worth six points, I mean, we all know with like Cam Newton, how valuable that makes those kinds of quarterbacks. Um, so I think the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns could propel him into the top 10. And I'd be more, I'd be more comfortable with him as a quarterback too than, than, you know, 11th, you're, you're, that's a low end starter, right? In 12 team leagues, 14 team leagues, whatever. And you really think a guy that played at Oklahoma, um, you know, great line in front of him, never, never was pressured, got to do whatever he wanted to in the offense, throwing to, to wide open guys. Now he goes to Arizona with a bad offensive line with young guy, you know, young guys that might be overmatched in their, their cornerback wide receiver matchups. Is that guy going to have success right away? Like, I don't think he's going to come and take the league by storm week one, week two. Um, so, you know, I would rather have him as a backup, maybe be looking at him later in the season once he gets his legs under him, than to be like, okay, I'm happy with this guy as my starter as the 11th best fantasy quarterback. Let me yeah. ask you guys this. How many, Besides, yard, how many rushing yards per game is Kyler Murray going to average? So, 35? 40 maybe, yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a really good baseline, a helpful baseline. I, my thing is I think that people look at it like Cam Newton's rookie year when Cam came in. Cam Newton scored 14 rushing touchdowns. Okay. Like that's, that's different. Um, and then there was, uh, who else was there that was, uh, a late round ad that you could steal? I mean, like, like Deshaun Watson was a guy that you could get for cheap as a rookie and he stepped in. Like Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I I just don't, I don't think the ceiling is, like Cam had 700 rush, 700 rushing yards, 4,000 passing yards, and, uh, a total of 35 rushing, or 35 touchdowns as, as a rookie. Like that's Kyler's absolute ceiling and he'll be a top five quarterback if that happens. I just don't see it there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that, especially because, you know, for as athletic as he is, he's not built like Cam Newton because no other quarterback really is built like Cam Newton. Um, the thing I was going to say is that this obviously isn't the criteria for fantasy, but if you're taking all the quarterbacks out of the last two years drafted, um, after Baker, I think I would go Kyler. I like, would you rather have Darnold or would you rather have Kyler? I think for, like that for is fantasy or question. real life. Yeah, for fantasy. Uh, for, well, for fantasy, I would. I might actually take Lamar Jackson. Oh, really? I mean, if he adds anything in the passing game, he's going to be a monster because he's going to rush for 60 yards a game, right? I mean, is he, is he going to add anything in the passing game? Did they do enough there? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I would, I would rather invest in Lamar Jackson at his cost than Kyler Murray at his cost. I think that's probably smart. Yeah. Is Lamar Jackson's probably going undrafted in a lot of leagues, I assume, if it's not a keeper leaguer. Uh, I will tell you. No, I don't. 
Let's see. Let's look at average draft position according to what do we? Who do we trust? Fantasy Pros or Fantasy Football Calculator? Pros is good. Pros is good. Okay. Uh, let's see. Lamar. Lamar Jackson's going one thirty eighth, and Kyler Murray's going one hundred one. So you're talking about a pretty big discrepancy. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Three I would, plus rounds. Yeah, I agree because I'm a big fan. Is if you're not getting one of those the Mahomes, one of the top quarterbacks, you might as well just wait till the end of the draft and get someone like that because once you start getting past the top three or four guys, um, it's all interchangeable. The other okay, guy. Well, sorry, I was going to say the other guy that I would throw in there, and I know that this is probably a common theme for this particular podcast. Sean knows who it is. Mitchell Trubisky, baby. I was going to ask you who would you rather have. I mean, Trubisky's ADP is one forty four. I, 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 Kirk Cousins is 149. I would just rather wait and take, like, when you look at where Kyler is going, there's guys like Larry Fitzgerald, who's right behind him. Um, you know, Ronald Jones is in the same area. Jarek McKinnon, D.D. Westbrook, Golden Tate. I'd rather grab one of those guys and hope they can be a productive, like, uh, flex or bench player, RJ, and then grab the quarterback later, personally. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people play matchups with their defense. I think you could do that with quarterbacks. There's so many yeah. solid quarterbacks that, that end up on the wire. So why not just grab two of these guys, especially if you're comparing schedules? You, you can kind of match them up and see who, who, make sure that you're avoiding like the top defenses, you know, the Bears and, and Jaguars and those kind of guys. Um, and just getting a lot of cream puff schedules and then just play those two guys, you know, through half of the season. And if you need to drop one and pick up a guy with a, a solid second half schedule, then do that. You know, it's not, you don't have to commit to one guy for 16 games. That's not how fantasy works. And, uh, you know, assuming you don't have zero bench, you know, as long as you can put a guy on a bench for a while, then, then why not do that? Right. I would love to have cousins, um, who averages close to 30 touchdowns a year, um, nearly 4,400 yards per season. Um, and then if you can just sit him for the games against the bears and these big games that he typically doesn't play well in, that's what I would love to do. And then play play Lamar, you know, against the bad rush defenses because we saw him tear them up in the second half of last year. And, you know, you do that, you're covered, what, probably 10 or 11 out of your 16 games, and, and that's a pretty good fantasy quarterback you've built. You've kind of Frankenstein together. Can, um, can Lamar Jackson equal – I don't know what Colin Kaepernick ranked in this season, but just sort of looking at it. His 2014 season with Greg Roman, 3,369 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 picks – and uh, 639 rushing yards, 104 rushing attempts. So those two seasons with Greg Roman, I mean, he had, golly, he had like 200 rushing attempts in those two years. So it would stand to reason that Lamar Jackson could be a very valuable fantasy quarterback, which brings me to our next point about the Ravens. Um, what do you, uh, you know, what do you think, RJ, this offense for the Ravens is going to look like? Because they have Lamar. They have Mark Ingram, they have Gus Bus, Gus Edwards, and then they have a bunch of rookie wide receivers and like Chris Moore. Yeah, the wide receiver core is pretty ugly. And that, that I think brings down the upside of the offense, but they do have a lot of weapons at tight end too. So I don't know, maybe you run a three tight end offense sometime and, and kind of keep your, your wide receiver deficiencies at bay. But I think they're going to run a lot. They obviously, you know, focused on bringing in Ingram in free agency and, um, kind of focused on the run offense. And I think it could still be good. We don't, you know, Greg Rosenthal wrote a good article about Lamar Jackson. Uh, I believe it went up today on NFL.com. Um, you know, we don't know. People assume that he's going to be bad and he's already a bust because they saw that the Chargers shut him down. But we don't know what version 2.0 is going to look like this year. He had to take over middle of the season as they were kind of changing the offense to suit his needs. Now they've had a whole off, off season to prep with him as the starter. They could throw some more wrinkles in there, you know. Um, and even knowing what you're going to get, 
Greg Roman still made Tyrod Taylor a pretty solid fantasy quarterback for for two seasons in Buffalo. Um, so I don't know why, since Jackson's a better runner than Tyrod and he has a pretty good arm too, why why can't he? As long as he develops his accuracy just a little bit, why can't he have a productive season as well? So I, I might take him over Kyler Murray, like you're saying, especially at that value. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the the Ravens could have a productive offense. I just don't know that it's going to be like a top level offense like they looked at times in the second half, just because the receivers are so bad. Mm. What do you think, Sean? Good, bad, ugly Ravens offense. Where do you stand? And, um, I mean, just in general, how do you think, like, what kind of percentage are we looking at for Lamar Jackson throwing, rushing, et cetera? Well, so last year he averaged 22 pass attempts a game. He actually, in a single game, didn't complete more than 14 passes, um, which is kind of absurd. And to RJ's point, is you bring up their depth chart and they really they they addressed wide receiver certainly in the draft, but we've seen it with rookie wide receivers. It takes you know a, a bit of time um, for them to adjust to the next level. I don't see this as being a productive passing offense. I just I just don't. Not with the rookie wide receivers. Not with uh, what we saw from Lamar last year. Now I, I like Lamar as a long term prospect, and I think what the Ravens did well is is plan for the long term. And I think there's a good case we made for 2020 when these receivers are entering their second year and Lamar's entering his second full season that the offense could really take a step I think they're still going to run the ball a lot this year um, and so I think you can look at it two ways I think you can look at it as well if quarterbacks you run are inherently more valuable in fantasy because you get more points for yards more points for touchdowns but I would also be worried about if he's still taking a lot of hits and if he can make it through the season completely healthy. Um, there's a quote that RG3, the backup quarterback, gave earlier this summer that I think kind of sticks out. He said the offense will look different. I think we will shock some people with what we're going to do. If we need to run it 60 times, we can do it. If we need to throw it 30 to 40 times, we can also do it. Um, I guess my point is, is that I kind of want to see the Ravens offense um, in a real game before I – um, attach myself to them from a fantasy perspective. Um, I still expect the Ravens as a whole to be at the very least in the playoff hunt. You just look at what they've done under Harbaugh, even with poor quarterback play. We talked about this on the coaches ranking podcast. He's only had one bad season. And that was when Flacco got hurt, I believe. Um, so I still think that they're going to be competitive and I think their defense will be good enough to keep their offense in games. I just, I just, I'm really not sure how much more they can throw the ball than they did last year. They're going to run a wishbone triple option offense. I think that's the, that's the shocking thing that we're going to see. That I'm actually, the Ravens are up there for teams that I'm like most excited to see for the first time. Like the Cardinals are on that list because I want to see Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury's offense. I think, and the Chiefs are just obviously there because it's the Chiefs with the homes, but I think you could put the Ravens third. I think there's an argument to be made there just because I have no idea what this offense is going to look like, and there's a chance it's just what they did last year. There's a very good chance I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, that wouldn't shock anyone. Lamar attempted four hundred more than four hundred passes twice in a thirteen game college season. I'm not I'm not saying that he can he's going to come in and do it this year, but I do think the one thing that Greg Roman has shown us is that he has a innate ability to scheme up easier. Uh, passing opportunities for quarterbacks who might like to run and move around. And I would liken, I don't think that Lamar Jackson is that similar to Tyrod Taylor, maybe in terms of build, but I would like, I think that the skill set for Lamar Jackson and Colin Kaepernick is fairly similar. I mean, Colin Kaepernick's obviously bigger and, and runs differently. Lamar Jackson's uh, smaller, shiftier, has more acceleration. Um, but I mean, like, 
I don't know. When you look at Kaepernick, 2014, he completed 60.5% of his passes. I, I mean, if they do that with Lamar and he throws 450 times next year and he completes 60% of them, he's going to have a monster year. Couple that with the running. Kaepernick had a, I'm trying to remember back to those seasons. Who were his receivers? Crabtree, um, was Manningham there? Vernon Davis would have been there. Um, the most targeted guys on the team were Anquan, oh, hit Bolden. Uh, I just feel like he had a bit more to work with in terms of targets. Um, I don't dislike the comparison though. I mean, we saw with Kaepernick, his accuracy could be a bit erratic at times. For sure. Um, I think that's a good comparison. I don't know if I like the comparison to Tyrod as much. I don't know if, I mean, we'll find out this year if he's going to be quite as careful as Tyrod, which is, I think, a good thing because, you know, the knock against Tyrod is that, you know, he didn't want to push the ball or risk throws and he would take a lot of sacks. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that from Lamar. I think he might be a little bit more reckless, which could be a good thing or a bad thing, I guess. Um, I like the cap comparison. I just, and again, I like him as a long-term prospect. I don't know if we're seeing it this year. Yeah, it's less a comparison and more. That's who Greg Roman's worked with. I'm just, you know, yeah, the sure. the yeah, time yeah. the timeline goes from Kaepernick to to Tyrod to to Jackson, and he's made each one look effective. And so, you know, you're not getting, you're never getting the same cookie cutter guy. You know, no matter who what quarterback you bring in for in any situation, and he's just had the experience being able to develop mobile guys with big arms. And and you know, you could, he's two he's two for two. You know, they they've both had their flashes at times. So I don't see why he can't do it with Jackson too. Uh, from one. Ravens quarterback to a former Ravens quarterback. We talk about Joe Flacco a lot on this podcast for some reason. I don't know how I became pro Joe Flacco. I've been bashing him for like nine years as an NFL writer, and now I'm like big into Joe Flacco. But whatever, you know. Career and you're putting bets on the Giants to win the win the NFC East. Well, as, I, your thing. as I mentioned, that was a drunken bet, and I regret it. <laughs> um, RJ, I don't know if I told you, I put twenty, I put uh, a unit on the um, Giants to win the NFC East at eighteen to one. Good luck. Thank you. I also put a unit on Dak Prescott to an MVP at fifty to one. Yeah, uh, wasn't he a hundred to one? Um, <laughs> when we saw those odds, you know, whenever they were released by Westgate, I think he was a hundred to one. Is that when Trubisky was two hundred to one? Right, and then I, Trubisky moved, but Dak didn't. I was like, I kind of like Dak at a hundred. I don't. And maybe it's just me. Fifty to one, I'm not touching him. I'd rather have guys like Cousins at sixty to one and, and Garoppolo maybe at sixty to one. There's, no, there's nobody above sixty. They all moved. They moved them all down below fifty-five. Because of our yeah. our podcast, put so much heat on the Westgate, uh, we got Vegas sweating their ass off out there. Uh, just me and RJ talking about MVP odds. Uh, anyway, Joe Flacco, buy or sell RJ that he is a productive member of society, uh, offensive society in this case. Uh, I would not. Denver. I would not put any units on Joe Flacco's MVP odds, whatever they are. <laughs> I, bet those um, are I bet those are like two hundred to one. But he could be solid. I mean, we have to see what the offense were, you know, under, uh, Rick, uh, Scandarello, I think his name is. Yep. Um, what that, what that's going to look like. Um, cause we, we don't really know, you know, it's not like Flacco has experience playing that system. Dude came from San Francisco. You know, I don't, I don't know that there's any overlap there with Flacco. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see what we get. I'm not too confident in his receivers, you know, a couple young guys still developing and then Emmanuel Sanders, who just can't stay healthy. Although it looks like he is going to avoid the PUP list as uh, what the news came out on Wednesday. So that's at least good news. Um, we'll see how fan can integrate in there, but that's another 
young guys. So I think Denver's really going to get by on running the ball in defense. They're going to be like the Bears were last year. I don't think they have that kind of upside. Um, you know, even though they do have the pass rushers in place, I don't think they're, they're a 12 and 14 or 11 and 15 by any means. But if they're winning games, it's not because Flacco's carrying them with his arm. It's because he's managing the game well. He's kind of doing what he needs to do, what he always did in Baltimore to get those teams to the playoffs. So we could see that. I don't think he's going to have a good statistical year. But he certainly has the experience to take teams to the playoffs. So it wouldn't shouldn't shock people that much if Denver can win nine or ten games and sneak into the playoffs. Uh, just a quick update. Uh, it appears that I may have bamboozled myself here because Dak Prescott is indeed a hundred to one at the Westgate, um, and I took him at fifty to one. <laughs> Mr. Trubisky oh. down to forty to one as of July fifteenth. This is Mr. Trubisky train is incredible. You do know uh, R.J. I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but uh, myself and Sean and Breach all have a $5 bet with Ryan Wilson on Trubisky at 200 to 1 odds. He would probably give you the same bet if you want to take it, if you want to get on that 200 to 1 action. Um, it's only five, risking $5. The idea of Ryan having to stroke a check for four, like four separate $1,000 checks makes my entire life uh, when I start to think about that. I don't even know. Uh, Deshaun Watson down to 30 to 1 off of uh, 60 to 1. Joe Flacco. Actually, two hundred to one to win MVP. Eli Manning has moved from two hundred to one to three hundred to one. Um, Josh Allen, two hundred to one. Yeah, to pass on that. Which Josh Allen? The uh, linebacker. For the, the they, have a, they have about the same odds. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's two hundred to one too. I don't mind that. I would take that. Yeah, that's. He good moved bet. up from hundred to one to two hundred to one. It's insane. Kyler Murray's a hundred to one. Jameis is 80 to 1. Derek Carr is down to 40 to 1. And Lamar's 200 to 1? What are we doing here? People Derek Carr's 40 to 1? Yeah, he was, uh, he was one of those 100 to 1 guys and they moved him down to 40 to 1. People like to back Derek Carr. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to get blocked. You can say it on this. This is a, this is a car family <laughs> free zone. They don't listen to this podcast. Don't bet on Derek Carr at 40 to 1. No, nah, that's the worst bet in football if you bet on him at 40. At 200 to 1, I don't hate him. Any quarterback at 200 to 1 is worth a flyer. Except uh, for Flacco. Yes, except for Flacco and, and Josh. Bill. Let me, uh, real quick on the Flacco. Everyone knows how I feel about Flacco on this podcast. So real quick, let me just let the stats speak for themselves. So since 2008, which is when Flacco entered the league, among all quarterbacks who have started at least 16 games um, in that span, Flacco ranks 36th in completion percentage. Good. Fifth second. 52nd in touchdown percentage, uh-huh. 45th in passer rating. You know who's 46th, one decimal point away from tying Flacco? Muhammad, Your boy, Muhammad Mike. Sanu? Mike Glennon, ouch. Um, I love Mike Glennon. Uh, look, I don't think that Joe Flacco is, as I said again, I don't think Joe Flacco is going to be MVP caliber. I don't think he's going to throw for 4,000 yards. I do think that Joe Flacco can be um, – 2011 to 2014 Joe Flacco, where he completes about 60% of his passes, averages, you know, seven or eight yards per attempt, has a decently low interception percentage, pushes the ball down the field, gets about 3,800 passing yards, and they lean on the run game and defense with Vic Fangio, and Flacco's the guy who can sort of take the ball over the top and they're, they're a good offensive team. I, I, it's not going to be an explosion. I just think he can be dangerous threatening the threatening down the field. If the running game is good. Yeah, but he's got to have the targets too. I mean, who, who's he throwing on the field to Cortland Sutton. 
Okay. Uh, so I don't know that you can count on that. It's not like wide he's, receiver he's a one in fantasy. <laughs> good. Good luck with that. I liked him. You know, I have him in a fantasy league. I drafted him in my rookie draft that year. So I like him as a prospect. I just don't think he's gonna. You know, he's not Julio Jones or anything challenging you down the field. So, so uh, you're you're asking the quarterback to do more in that sense. So. You know, the one thing that Jay, that Flacco does have, though, Super Bowl wins, colon, Flacco won, Jay Cutler zero. So at least he has wow. an edge there. Wow, we're throwing in Jay Cutler here. Mm. I just, just got to defend Flacco. You're hating on Flacco. 55th in yards per attempt in that span. That's the one stat that matters. That's the one stat that's going to get Eli Manning into the Hall of Fame. So that's the one stat that matters. I mean, Jay Cutler, like, like okay. the only thing Jay Cutler ever led the league in was interception and sacks. Like, he, he's just – he <laughs> might <laughs> – Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler. I like the sacks thing you're using to like take a dump on him, and in reality, like that shows like the supporting cast that he had to constantly play with in Chicago, where Johnny Knoxford and Devin Hester were his top two receivers for a good number of years, and he was playing behind the worst offensive line in football. Fair, or unfair statement, RJ. Jay Cutler ah. is a poor man's Joe Flacco. <laughs> Get out. Of here. He's a he's a Joe Flacco without the Super Bowl. That's a fair statement. I think if the stats bear it out, Jay Cutler, (laughs) Jay Cutler had one 4,000 yard passing season, the same number as Joe Flacco. He averaged 62% completions for his career. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, you can't hate them. They're, they're, they're they're guys who, um, are dependent on the situations around them if they're going to succeed or not. I don't disagree with that. I think Jay Cutler was constantly able to do more with less than Flacco. Because Flacco was the one place in better situations. Flacco won a Super Bowl. I'm talking about like individually, like he carried, he was asked to carry an offense, um, and more than Flacco ever was. This can't be right. This says that when you look at playoffs passing, it says that Jay Cutler only had one year with playoffs passing. Is that right? That's very, that's very much true. You want me to, he you want me to go through, he you want me to go through Jay Cutler's, um, Jay Cutler went to the playoffs week one 17, time? Week do you, do you want me right. to go through this? That can't be right. I'm also seeing he only threw for 4,000 yards one year. That can't be right either. Is that right? That's right. I said that a minute ago. 2008, wow. they blow, they're, uh, Denver. they blow a three game lead. Yeah, in Denver. They blow a three game lead to the Chargers with three games left to play. Culminates with them getting smoked on national television against the Chargers. Second year in De- second year in Chicago, they make the playoffs. Playoffs. Third year, they're like eight and five or seven and four. Have won five games in a row. I the best Cutler's in that offense has ever looked in Chicago. Johnny Knox slips on a slant. Cutler breaks his thumb trying to tackle the Chargers defender. Uh, the Bears with Caleb Paney and a bunch of other backups lose the rest of the year. Uh, there was the Week Seventeen fourth down Cobb Rogers to. Um, Rogers to Cobb. That is one of my least favorite sports memories ever. Look, I don't want to. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of the playoffs because Adrian Peterson ran for 2,100 yards, and the Packers pretty much let the Vikings win in Week 17 and knock the 10 and six Bears out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just really excuses, quickly. Excuses, excuses, excuses. I just want to give, I just want to give you some numbers here. 61.7. Just listen to 61.7 percent completions. Three, four, seven, six passing yards. 19.3 touchdowns, 12.4 interceptions. That is Joe Flacco's numbers on average uh, for his career with the Baltimore Ravens. 61.8%. Two nine three zero passing yards, 19.3 touchdowns, identical. 13.6 interceptions, slightly more. That's Jay Cutler's career numbers in Chicago. They're the same person. 
except Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. There's... One is one is a lot more likable. Yeah, Joe Flacco. Flacco is a lot more likable. Who's gonna? I don't think Joe Flacco is about to have a. Uh, that's career not Cutler's fault. Though. I mean, that's, it's really Sean's fault that Fla- that Cutler's not more likable. I think I'd be fine with Cutler if I didn't have to hear about him from Sean. <laughs> I've so done much. literally all I can to make him likable. I've done my work. You're like Jay Cutler's more likable than Joe Flacco. Good God, man. easily. No He's way. a reality star now. Should I tweet that? Listen, could not be a reality star. Was it the Levitard? fall asleep. What is it the Levitard uh, show says? Put it on the poll, Guillermo. We gotta put this. We gotta put a poll out. Who's more likable, Joe Flacker or Jay Cutler? Um, oh, we'll tweet I want that out. You, to put it on uh, you can put Cutler it on your Twitter. Because people are wrong. All right, we gotta take a break because we gotta with this podcast. This time I read long. Um, we gotta take a break. We'll come back and we'll decide whether these games are legit, interesting, or not. Certain early season NFL games. Be right back. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H track all wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip maybe you're out camping at mount rogers I used to go as a kid wish my parents had a hyundai santa fe the hyundai santa fe is perfect for your family outing learn more about the all-new hyundai santa fe at hyundaiusa.com call 562-314-4603 for complete details the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived thanks to the visionary minds of new balance clutch athletics and rich paul the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okie dokie. So we got a big, not a big list of games. I put together a list of eight games. You guys tell me whether, and these are all games I got excited about watching. Tell me if I'm insane or not. We're not going to cut off any appendages. We did enough of that. Um, Lord knows I can't probably should stop saying the word penis on this podcast. Um, week one. Never. <laughs> week one, RJ. Titans at Browns, 1 p.m. on CBS. Uh, good game or bad game? Okay. Let's, let's, let's not cut anything off. Let's, here's how much of a Twitter timeout would Brinson take to watch this game? Oh. Like, would Brinson go like, a two-hour Twitter timeout to watch Titan Brown oh, and oh, over/under. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I do. Uh, I don't know. You're pretty addicted. This is a two and a half hour Twitter break. I would take a two and a half hour Twitter break for this. I, I like this game. I don't think it's that sneaky. I think people want to see the Browns. Brown. The Browns are the the you know the trendy sleeper this year, and everybody's going to be on them and want to see them coming out the gates. Expect them to win big. It becomes a great game if the Titans, you know, put it to them. You know, they're they're better at home than on the road, so I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, but Browns are going to be big favorites here. I think you've mentioned that before. Um, in, you know, maybe in the last podcast that you mentioned they're going to be favorites in this game. And uh, I think people are going to like it. I think people are all in on this game, wanting to see if this Browns team's for real. Mm. Uh, good game or bad game, Sean? Uh, good game for all the reasons RJ, RJ just said. I don't think the Titans, to me, are not that interesting. 
Um, even though there's an interesting Marcus Mariota discussion that's going to happen throughout the entire year based on how he plays and if he deserves an extension or the tag. Um, but everyone wants to see the Browns. And assuming Odell and Baker are all healthy heading into week one, um, I think the Browns throughout most of the year could be appointment television um, with all those personalities. And um, even if they're bad, I think they're going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, maybe, the, maybe this is not a great example. It, it's not under the radar, but it was like, Panthers Rams could have been another uh, candidate to use there instead. I'm I'm very interested in that game. I just I'm curious to see how this Browns offense looks out of the gate against what I think is a sneaky good defense in the Tennessee Titans. The other one that really gets me amped up about Week One that's sort of off the radar in terms of you know it's not there's two Monday Night Football games. It's not that. It's not Steelers Patriots. I can't wait to see fi- uh, Falcons at Vikings. Good or bad game, RJ? That's going to be a good game. I was looking at the schedule, too, and you throw that in with Colts at Chargers. Those are two week one games that are sneaky conference title games, yep. you know, that could could possibly happen, that people aren't picking. But, you know, there's, there's not too much has to break right. Kirk Cousins just has to be a little bit better quarterback, and Minnesota is a Super Bowl contender. Atlanta you know, has fixed the offensive line with their draft picks, um, and they could be in competition. So I think a lot of people expect the, uh, the Rams to be back or the Bears to all still be good, but, you know, or, and the Saints to be competing. But you throw in Falcons, Vikings, and NFC title game, I'm not that surprised. And then, yeah, Colts Chargers is probably the same way. You know, everybody expects the, Fal- the Patriots to be there and the Chiefs to be there, but you wouldn't be that shocked if it was Colts Chargers. Chargers. I took Colts Chargers off, Sean, because I had the Chargers later on. I didn't want to be too Chargers heavy. That seemed like a little too on brand, too obvious. Uh, does, does, uh, how, how long a Twitter break would I take for Falcons Vikings? How long would you take? Yeah, I, I mean, you would do it. Isn't, isn't that a question for you? I don't think you would take a Twitter break for any of these games, but. I'll, uh, I'll delete my Twitter account right now if you put Fal- Falcons Vikings on and go watch it. <laughs> I, uh. Can we get that, let that happen? Please. Somebody. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, I think this to me is probably outside of Panthers Rams, which I think I, I didn't pick that one because I thought it wasn't sneaky. I don't think anything with the Rams is sneaky. I think most people want to see well, that, how they fare. That, that was sort of the hard part. Like, I, right. I, I can't qualify Redskins Eagles as a sneaky good game. Like, I, I don't. I got, I got one when you're done, Sean. Go ahead. Okay. Ravens, um, Ravens Dolphins. And the other one that I. I, like, am I allowed to say Chiefs Jags as sneaky good? I mean, cause it's yeah. Mahomes and everyone wants to watch Mahomes. Yeah. And same with Colts Chargers. I don't think that counts as a sneaky game because I think those are two teams a lot of people are picking to win their divisions. So I will agree with you. I think Falcons, Vikings, because I don't think either of those teams are going to be favored in their division. I think a lot of people will have them second or third. Um, I agree with RJ. I would not be surprised if the Falcons win the division. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons make a little Super Bowl push. Their defense last year was the second worst by DVOA. Only the Bucks were worse. Uh, they still won seven games. And this was a defense that got decimated by injuries early on. I think a little injury regression back in their favor. Um, they get a little bit healthier. I think that offense should remain really good. They were eighth in DVOA last year. And so I want to see that offense eighth in DVOA against the Vikings defense, which is fourth in DVOA. I think that's uh, the exact kind of game I want to watch. Is, and is, also- your, is your sneaky one, RJ, is it Bill's Jets? Of course it's Bill's Jets. Come on. You get Josh Allen versus Sam Darnold. You get first game with Adam Gase. You get Le'Veon Bell back in the league. I mean, come on. That's got to be an exciting game, even if people don't like watching the Bills and uh, just because, you know, everybody finds them boring and they don't have the the fan base that a lot of people do. That's going to be a good game. I I agree. You're going to check in on that one and be like, whoa, this game's like 21-20 and there's four minutes left and the the Bills defense need a stop. This is going to be an awesome finish here. Yeah, Yeah, I I might – 
with sorry with Josh Allen and Le'Veon Bell, you have two of the best running backs in the league going head to head. So that's <laughs> definitely good. that's a good one. Um, two potential two hundred one MVP candidates too. I uh, I might uh, I might replace the Browns Titans with Bills Jets because I think I think I took the Bills out because of another reason later on in a second. Uh, anyway, week two. I think this qualifies as a sneaky one, even though we just talked about these teams for a lengthy period of time in the first half of the podcast. Cardinals at Ravens. You got Kyler, you got Lamar. Um, you know, the, we don't know. I, I think the Cardinals can beat the Lions in week one. Could they then go on the road and get to two and oh? And then there's some serious buzz about Kyler Murray. You know, how will Lamar Jackson look in this new offense? There's so many questions about both of these teams. That's an easy, uh, sneaky game. Um, it's on, it's on Fox, but I mean, I think, you know, it'll fly under the radar with some of the other matchups there at one o'clock, like Chargers, Lions, and Vikings, Packers, Jaguars, Texans. Patriots Dolphins. Yeah, it's a good game. It's we're going to see that game come up, and if both those teams play to their potential and, and to the expectations that people have, you could really be watching, you know, the next iteration of what offenses look like in the NFL. People expect it to be open air raid, and here comes Patrick Mahomes, here comes Baker Mayfield. But if these two teams get by with you know mobile quarterbacks running around, um, making defenses really play the whole field instead of just you know passing lanes and and here and there, if you got to cover sideline to sideline because the quarterback can take off and run at any moment. You know, maybe that becomes too difficult for defenses to play to play and these teams all of a sudden are, uh, you know, better teams than we think. So this will be very interesting to see how these two match up, because on the flip side, these defenses get get to play these quarterbacks in practice. So they at least do have some matchup potential of knowing how to slow these defenses down. So we might look back on week two after this game and say, man, like that's going to be exciting to watch. I wish these teams could play each other every year. Um, the uh, the other game. Oh, that I included was Seahawks Steelers. I don't know if that's qualified. That's not under the radar. It's not under the radar at all. So I'm going to audible here. Okay. I'm going to audible from that game because that's not, you're right. It's not under the radar. And I'm going to take, uh, even though I was now, but this messes up my week three game. Oh, well, uh, bears at Broncos. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Well, I don't know if that no, qualifies either, but I think it qualifies. Uh, go for it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, even if I think there's an argument to be made, the Broncos could be, you know, a six and 10 team or they could be a 10 and six team. Um, I, I think it's kind of tough to tell, but even if they're that six and 10 version, um, they're hard to beat in Denver. And we saw it with the Chiefs going with Mahomes. That was like the first big test that Mahomes had. Um, they barely won that game. Um, I think I like the drama of Vic Fangio against his former team. Um, because I think there's an argument to be made that even though Neg- Negi won coach of the year, right? He won coach of the year, but I think there's an argument to be made that you know, Fangio was a bigger reason for the Bears' success because that defense kind of carried the team more than the offense did, and the offense kind of held them back um, and ultimately cost them a spot um, in the divisional round. So I want to see Fangio against his former team, Bryce Callahan against his former team um, in Denver. I think it's a close game either way. I don't think the Bears are good enough, at least at that point offensively, to, to blow out a team like Denver, and Denver has a good defense as well. This was on my list too, Bears Broncos. So you can tell it's a very under the radar game. Nobody's talking about this game. Um, <laughs> cause we all had it. Um, the Broncos are going to win this game. You mentioned they're good at home. They're yes, especially they good are. at home, but especially good at home early in the year when teams aren't conditioned well and they got to come up to altitude and play in Denver. Um, so they'll be ready for this game. That defense is going to shut Mitchell Trubisky down. The MVP buzz will end after week two for Mitch Trubisky. And uh, Denver's going to win that game, uh, and people are going to start taking Denver seriously after week two, and uh, we'll see how much they can hang on through the rest of the season. 
Um, all right, week number three. And yeah, I don't think that one counts, the, the, the Seahawks Steelers. This is a great game. Uh, here's the problem is I was trying to get unique teams and then Broncos at Packers really stood out to me too because of the Vic, I put Fang- that down. The Vic Fangio factor. Like he's going to play Aaron Rodgers, a guy that he's got experience playing against. And look, I mean, you know, when I'm not saying that the Broncos are gonna be good, but Maybe the Broncos are going to be good. Is it possible the Broncos are going to be good? Like this is sort of what factors into when I when I'm making this claim is that they get the Raiders in Week One on Monday Night Football in Oakland. They can win that game. They get the Bears at home. They could win that game. What if Vic Fangio can get them to go into Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers and the Broncos and Joe friggin' Flacco are three and zero? You know how hellish your life will be, Sean, on this very podcast every yeah. Sunday night. If Vic Fangio beats the Packers and Lambo, I think I will be the happiest person on the podcast. And <laughs> I, I will say, we were saying, like, we're not sure. Like, are we sure the Broncos can't be good? Are we sure the Packers are going to be good? No. Um, I mean, they hired a first-time head coach who didn't do much of anything as an offensive coordinator last year. Uh, he didn't call plays in L.A. Now he's dealing with Rodgers, who, you know, reportedly had that whole going rogue thing with McCarthy. Um, are we sure McCarthy was to blame for – um, all of the Packers troubles. So, and you'd mentioned Fangio also had experience coaching against Rodgers in San Francisco when they met in the playoffs, um, a few times. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the 49ers, maybe it was either one or once or twice they beat him, I feel like, with Kaepernick running all over them. Uh, I don't think they'll win the game. I think the fact that it's in, I think if it was in, in Denver, I think you could make a really strong case for it. Uh, but I think this is going to be one of those closer games, you know, tied going to the fourth quarter, low scoring. Um, and I mean, if, if you're also breaking down by the coaches, who would you rather have for two first time head coaches? But I, for some reason, feel a lot more confident in Vic Fangio than I do, um, and Matt, Laf- Matt LaFleur, because I think, I think we know that Broncos defense barring injuries is going to be good. I don't think we know for sure if the Packers offense is going to be as good as it should be. Uh, RJ, what would you think about the Texans and Chargers being under the radar? Um, yeah, it seems like the Chargers don't get a lot of national pub. Um, you know, they, they don't except seem for that this podcast. except for you. Yeah, they, they're not that sexy of a team, but when you have Philip Rivers as your quarterback, Brinson's going to pump you up as much as possible. Right. Um, Texans, you know, we'll, we'll, by this point, it's week three. We'll get to see what the offensive line looks like and if it's any better than last year. If Watson's got sacked, you know, 10 times in the first two weeks, and I don't know that this game's going to be much of anything. The Chargers will probably roll here. Um, my little sleeper pick to throw in there would be, we took the Steelers out earlier. How about Steelers at 49ers? Ooh. You get Steelers always play down in the West Coast. They have so much trouble traveling. Nobody's going to be taking San Fran seriously. I believe they open on the road their first two weeks, both going cross country. So, I mean, they could easily be 0-2, but like it deceptive 0-2 though we we don't know how good they are then come out and shock the, the Steelers in this game you know win not even just you know squeak out a win but win pretty confidently because the Steelers don't travel well to the west coast and we're like hey maybe, maybe there is something to this Jimmy Garoppolo Kyle Shanahan connection now because they just won 41 to 10 against a supposedly good Steelers team you know so I think that's the one that people will be like whoa I didn't see that one coming you know maybe we should have paid attention more to this game Go ahead and put down the 49ers plus seven and a half for uh, RJ's week three super contest picks. Wow. Lock it in. Uh, plus any, plus anything, lock it in. If they're 0 and 2, and there'll be dogs at home against the Steelers, guaranteed. For sure. Now, if they're yeah. 2 and 0, it might be like a pick them. And I still take them. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I like that. That's a good call. 
Uh, and yeah, text, it's kind of hard to find stuff that's under the radar, but like legitimately interesting right now. Like I don't give a crap about dolphins and cowboys, right? I mean, no. I mean, unless that's like Rosen's debut or something. Yeah, can't. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Bengals, Bills, and a breach included that in the make or break games. So please get out of here with that. Uh, week four. This is actually one that is terrible that I still included. Redskins at Giants. And the main reason I include this is I feel like there's a 28 to 32% chance that this is Haskins versus Jones and maybe that they're even making their debuts. Uh, Sean. Yeah, that's the only way that game would be interesting. If we're watching Case Keenum versus uh, Eli Manning, I don't think anyone wants to watch that game. And thank God that's not a national TV game. And that's just one of those games that, uh, you can ignore. Um, just checking to make sure the game was on Fox. And CBS. <laughs> no, I was um, like, oh, Sean, you may have shot your, <laughs> shot your career out of a cannon here. Uh, but yeah, if that's, I mean, especially if that's both of their debuts, and I think there's a case to be made if both of those, the first three weeks of both their seasons go poorly, isn't that the perfect game for both of those quarterbacks to make their debuts against these teams that aren't quite frankly that good, probably won't be that good? Um, we looked at the Redskins schedule and I think it's pretty tough besides that game, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, so I feel like that would be the game to get them that easy start, even though it's a, it's on the road. Um, but no, but if, I mean, it just takes one of those rookie guys to be playing for it to be interesting. But if we have to watch Keenum or Colt McCoy against Eli Manning, I don't want any part of that game. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a chance that, that we're going to see Daniel Jones. Like, you know, you want to put, um, rookies in front of the home crowd because you want it to be a good situation with them. <laughs> Do you really want to do that with Daniel Jones? Because the minute he screws up, is that crowd going to be all over him? You know, I, I think I would rather start him against a, a bad defense on the road and just kind of be like, all right, the pressure's kind of off. We don't expect to win this game. Just go out and have some fun and give people something to, you know, to cheer about the next week. You know, they're going to kind of raise their expectations a little bit because I think that crowd could get hostile. And that, if that gets in your game, in your head and your debut game, how, you know, how much is that going to affect you down the road? Uh, the final game on this list is the Patriots at the Bills. And I don't want to throw out anything crazy here, RJ, but what if this is two 3-0 and teams squaring off with first place in the Stop division it. on the line? Bills aren't going to start 3-0. and you're, you're right. There's no chance the Patriots are 3-0 and because they got to play the Steelers and the Dolphins and the Jets at home, uh, Dolphins on the road. Patriots 2-1. and Bills are going to beat the Jets, beat the Giants on the road, and then beat the Bengals at home and be 3-0. and Hosting yeah, the Patriots. That's asking a lot. Um, this could be a good game. You know, the Bills can give the Patriots some trouble. The Patriots aren't as strong away from home as they've been in the past. Brady's obviously getting old. We've seen seasons where they struggle a little bit out of the gate because this is all preamble for them. You know, this is their preseason. Wait, wait until January comes. So the Bills could pull off a shocker here. You know, the Patriots going to end up being favored by six, seven points. Uh, unless the Bills are three and zero, then maybe it's all the way down to four and a half points. You know, but that's still a lot for. For a road team being favored, um, you know, in, in a divisional game here. So I don't have that many, as a Bills fan, I don't have that much expectations for this game. I'm kind of ignoring it, kind of chalking it up as a loss already. And I'll be pleasantly surprised if they somehow pull it off. All right. There you have it. A bunch of sneaky early season games, a bunch of good training camp storylines. RJ White, Sean Wagner. Always fun, boys. Let's talk soon.